0: what works and what doesn't understanding what works what works for me understanding your own business to know what works what works for you this is what works what happens when you take a four-month break from business as usual at the end of 2021 my work world changed drastically I passed the baton on the What Works Network, transitioned my full-time employee into a new role at a different company, and found myself in a business of one for the first time in over 10 years. And the truth is, I needed a break. So I decided to call the first quarter or so of 2022 a sabbatical. A sabbatical for an academic isn't generally time off it's time to step outside the relentless cycle of institutional responsibilities and focus on a project. For over a decade, I'd been subject to my own self-made relentless cycle of responsibilities, almost all of which I enjoyed on one level or another. But at the same time, plenty of those responsibilities messed with my mental health. I'd endured for as long as I could I needed to do something drastic to recover. Fortunately, I was able to complete a book proposal and pen a deal with a publisher in the fall. I had a project to focus on, and I had an advance that would cover my salary for the first few months of the year. And of course, my husband and I had steady, predictable revenue at Yellow House Media, for which my current labor is minimal. All the pieces fell into place, and I let out a deep sigh of relief. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works. Today, this is the show where I explore how to navigate the 21st century economy with my humanity intact. I decided to do this episode because I wanted to bring some things out in the open that could easily go overlooked as this show continues. And I know there will be plenty of questions about the book writing process, my time, quote unquote, off, and what I'm doing next. So that's how I'll structure this episode, three parts. First, the book. Second, what I've been doing other than the book. And third, what I think I'll do next. Chapter One, Writing What Works. The main project for my sabbatical has been writing the book. We're calling it What Works, a comprehensive framework for changing the way we approach goal setting. And yes, it's available for pre-order anywhere you buy books, as long as you don't mind buying it without a description. I'm drafting this episode on April 19th, and I submitted the manuscript to my editor yesterday, about 10 days ahead of schedule. It's been an incredible experience and I'm actually eager to start the next one. I've known I wanted to write a book, probably many books since I was managing my old borders, books and music when I needed to look productive, but also needed a break from the stress of retail life. I'd grab a cart full of books bound for the philosophy or sociology section and start to shelve them. Shelving books is a meditative task. Pick up the book, Look beneath the barcode for the section it's in, locate the section on the shelf, and then find the appropriate spot alphabetical by author's last name. Not only was it a straightforward mental task, it had a tactile component. My fingertips would take in the texture of each book cover as I picked up a title, and often I'd sit on the ground, legs crossed, and thumb through the books on the shelf to find the right place. As I'd work, I'd imagine my own book On the shelf. That was over 15 years ago now, and the path to publishing was not at all apparent then. Five years later, though, I'd know exactly what was involved in getting a book deal. By 2012, I'd courted a relatively large audience and a good deal of respect as a writer on the indie maker scene. A book deal felt tantalizingly close. I met an agent who wanted to represent me before I even had an idea for a book. I drafted my first proposal, and it wasn't great. Or rather, the idea was good, but the premise of the book was underbaked at best. And worse, I didn't actually have the chops to write what I imagined writing at that time. Unsurprisingly, that book didn't get picked up. So back to the drawing board. Over the next seven years or so, I danced around writing a book, but never put my attention on the idea for an extended period of time. I talked to a couple other agents and thought about what I might write, but nothing felt like it gelled. Part of the problem I knew was that everyone expected me to write a marketing book or a how to profit from your passion book or a money mindset book, but that wasn't the book I wanted to write. Unfortunately, I didn't actually know what I wanted to write. I didn't have a solid idea for the book that I would want to commit to. Then, at the beginning of 2019, I received an unsolicited email from Jessica Faust, the founder of Bookends Literary Agency. At that point, I'd put the idea of writing a book out of my head for a while. I thought maybe my opportunity had passed. But I took a call with Jessica anyhow. She told me that she'd been looking for women authors who weren't writing specifically for the women's market. She wanted to represent female nonfiction authors who wrote nonfiction books for general audiences. Specifically, she had in mind that she was looking for a woman to write something with the appeal of Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Now that's exactly what I wanted to do. I told her I was up for the challenge and I was excited to get started. Unfortunately, though, I still didn't really have a specific idea for a book. I started to draft some early attempts at a proposal overview, and they were not good. I got discouraged, and I started to ghost on Jessica's emails, a common coping strategy of mine. In February 2020, Jessica, ever kind and patient, emailed to check in. I told her that I knew what I wanted to write. I just taught a series of workshops on a different approach to goal setting. In fact, a planning system that didn't set goals on purpose. She loved this idea. I loved this idea. This was the idea. Did I mention it was February, 2020? It was actually the last week of February, 2020. I started working on the proposal, but then the whole world changed. And I was in crisis mode, just like everyone else on the planet. Chinese health authorities are still working to identify the virus behind a pneumonia outbreak in the central city of Wuhan. At least 59 people are believed to have been sickened by the new virus. Tonight, U.S. airports on high alert, screening passengers for symptoms of a deadly new virus. Very concerned. The book simply wasn't going to be a priority in the short term. Well, as it so often does, the short-term turned into the long-term. I couldn't make the mental space to work on the idea as a book, but I was still excited about the idea. So I took the free workshop I'd taught at the end of 2019 and expanded it into a four-session workshop series called The Commitment Blueprint. I figured that I could learn more about what the book was going to be while also helping people plan amidst the current uncertainty. It turned out... That was a really good move. I taught the workshop series several times throughout 2020, taking in the feedback and making it better every time. The final time I taught it, I wrote out the content of each workshop in the series. By December 2020, I had a 20,000 word ebook. This was going to be the seed of the book. In January, I put reconnecting with Jessica on my to-do list. I was fully prepared for her to let me know that she'd moved on. But before I could even get an email off to her, I had one in my inbox from her. Two years after her first email, I sent off the ebook version of the commitment blueprint, and she agreed. This is what we would move forward with. I quickly worked up the first half of the proposal, the overview that describes what the book is, the about the author section where I have to sell myself, the marketing section where I explain how I'm going to sell the book, and the table of contents. It didn't take long to get that part of the proposal ready to go, but then I was faced with writing my sample chapters. Here, I got a bit stuck again. My depression and anxiety raged on despite medical intervention. It was all I could do to perform the most basic functions of running my business, let alone pen the first 10,000 words of a book. But by June, I'd gotten them done. Or at the very least, I'd gotten a really shitty first draft done. Jessica checked in and I told her that I wouldn't have the mental space I needed to revise them until August when I was planning to take a major step back from my responsibilities and work half time while we were in Montana. I let the first week of August pass without cracking open my draft. Frankly, I was afraid to look. I was certain that I was going to be embarrassed by what I'd written. But during the second week, I got over myself and dove in. I read through what I'd written in the spring. And sure, I cleaned some stuff up. But overall, I was really proud of what was on the page. It felt deeply personal while also connected to fears and anxieties I'd heard echoed by so many business owners over the years. I sent the chapters off to Jessica the next day. I prepared myself for major critique. But within a few weeks... Jessica had read the chapters thoroughly and loved them. My only task was to proofread and clean up the formatting on the proposal. From there, it was up to her. I was prepared for a long wait. But the book sold relatively quickly. I set a timeframe for submitting the manuscript that will allow me to finish up the year and then focus on writing in 2022. And thanks to Wiley's speedy process, that means the book should actually be available in time for 2023 goal setting and planning. I spent the holidays and early January deep in research. There was quite a bit of cultural and psychological theory that the original workshop had drawn on but I didn't know exactly where it came from. So I waded into academic journals and key texts. I familiarized myself with ideas via podcasts and books. And then I got to writing. I completed the first 50,000 word draft by the end of January. From early February to mid-March, I completed a second draft, adding another 10,000 words. By the end of March, both my editor and I had gone through the manuscript again, and we felt good about wrapping up this phase. Took one more pass through the book before submitting it yesterday. Now, if all you look at is those three and a half months of book writing, it probably seems like I was working fast. And part of me is always worried that fast equals sloppy, because for much of my life, that's exactly what it's meant. But I remind myself, and I remind you that I've been working on this book since the end of 2019. I've drafted it in slide decks, blog posts, and podcast episodes over the last three years. I've been doing research on it since college, really. While there was a burst of energy and speed at the end of this process overall, book writing has been anything but fast for me. Now, when I say that I've been drafting this book in various forms for years, I don't mean that it's all old material. The core of it is the commitment blueprint process that I've shared in various forms, but only maybe 4% of it resembles anything that I've put out previously. In book form, I was able to explore all sorts of ideas and stories and context that could have never made it into an ebook or workshop series. Today, I'm really proud of my manuscript, and I'm also nervous as hell that it's a piece of crap. So you know, normal author feelings. Chapter two, what I've been doing when I'm not writing the book. Despite the sabbatical, I've still been working about 40 hours per week, Monday through Friday, nine to five. I've even been working most weekends. Some weeks, book writing took up about half of that time, rarely more, often much less. I spent some of that time, typically less than five hours per week on Yellow House Media, and the rest of the time has been primarily devoted to some aspect of figuring out how I want to move forward. And for the most part, that's meant a lot of time thinking about and working on craft. Now, when I say craft... I mean the care and skill that one brings to work, especially creative work. It's the choices I make, the philosophy behind the approach, the experiments I conduct. Craft has always been important to me, but it wasn't always something I felt I could prioritize. And that's because most of what I've written or podcasted prior to 2022 was content marketing. And content marketing no doubt has an element of craft but its top priority is to attract potential buyers and lead them through the buyer's journey. I've broken many of the rules of content marketing over the years, and as a result, missed many opportunities, but I've never lost sight of that top priority. I've had varying levels of success with maintaining a unique voice and valuable product as content marketing, sometimes veering too far into marketing and other times veering too far into unique voice. Last year, I felt like I hit my stride where I created content that really balanced craft and strategy. This year, though, as part of my sabbatical, I wanted to see what would happen if I dropped strategy altogether. What would I want to make? How would I conceive of my creative work? What formats would it take? How could I stretch myself and my skill? Where would my curiosity lead me? And would you care? So, starting off with the very first content I created in 2022, I dropped any notion of marketing strategy or promotion. The only call to action was to share the show or the newsletter with a friend. Now, I want to be clear before I go any further. I am not recommending this as a marketing strategy. Say it with me now. This is not a marketing strategy. This isn't some new marketing idea that all the movers and shakers are using. It's just me doing my own thing because I can. Got it? Okay, good. When I'm saying I'm doing this because I can, what I mean is that I've intentionally accepted the utter collapse of revenue to get my health back on track. Because I had the book advance and some royalties for my old Creative Live classes, the choice was a little easier. Now that I've got that out of the way, I started my work on craft last fall when I took a creative nonfiction writing class through NYU's professional studies program. That was a game changer. It allowed me to not only step away from writing as marketing, but also allowed me to step away from writing about business at all. And at the same time, everything I was learning started to flow into my writing about business. Then in December, I took a workshop through Catapult on how to pitch publications as a freelance contributor that three-hour workshop completely changed my idea of what I might be able to work toward this year. I could not only write books, I could write essays and features for magazines, news sites, and other online publishers, and get paid for it. And while making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling online courses is one kind of sexy, spending my days writing, researching, and getting published in major publications is another kind of sexy even if it doesn't pay well and involves doing a lot of work that just gets rejected. And what about podcasting? Well, I've been working on my craft as a podcaster too. That means exploring more challenging topics, attempting different storytelling techniques, and just generally making some risky choices when it comes to how I produce each episode. Again, I'm doing it because I can, not necessarily because I believe it's the most strategic thing you can do for your business. I assure you, it's not. I also decided to focus my efforts this year and combined essay writing with podcasting. In 2021, I was creating a 45 to 60-minute podcast episode each week plus a two to 4,000-word newsletter essay. This year, I thought I should probably try to just do one and make it as good as it could be. And this choice has also been a game changer. I still don't always have the time and space to get an episode or essay where I'd ultimately like it to be, but I'm able to spend twice as much time on it as I was, and that's helped me improve on the quality. Now, what I haven't been doing during this sabbatical is spending much time on Zoom, I pitch in on some of our Yellow House media consultations, but really not much else. In 2021, I averaged 10 to 12 hours per week in meetings. This year, it's closer to two. And that's been a big quality of life improvement for me. So that's what I've been doing while I'm not working on the book. What's next? Well, that's the next chapter. Chapter three. Venture into the unknown. I've been running one iteration or another of the same business for 13 years. The only part of that business that I carried with me into 2022, though, was the podcast and newsletter audience. I have lots of options. I could build a profitable small business coaching practice, I could create digital products or online courses. I could sell sponsorship on the podcast. I could double down on Yellow House Media. What's on my mind, though, as I contemplate the next steps feels almost forbidden. You want to know what it is? I'm questioning whether there's a business here I really want to continue with. I'm wondering if business owner is really the right way for me to identify, at least for the foreseeable future. For the first time ever, I'm getting comfortable with the idea of being a full-time creator an independent journalist, a multidisciplinary public intellectual. Okay, public intellectual is probably one of those titles you need to wait for others to confer on you, like thought leader, rather than to take it on for yourself. But still, that's the dream. If that's the dream, why not do it now? As I was writing my about the author blurb for the book, I instinctively jotted down that I've been studying small business owners for over 13 years. Lightbulb moment. Yes, I've been running a business, hopefully helping you think differently about how you run your business. But another way to look at it is that I've self-funded a decade-long immersive research project in the sociology of entrepreneurship through small business. When I consider what my next steps are, starting from that realization is exciting. Financially, there are a few ways forward from there, and the solution for me will probably be a bit of each. The first way forward is freelance writing. There are a lot of upsides to this, including getting to write about topics that wouldn't fit here on the podcast or in the newsletter and getting distribution through big publications. My first success was at Fast Company back in March. Of course, there are a lot of downsides to freelance writing too, unpredictable pay and lots of rejection among them. The second way forward is audience-supported journalism. That could look like a tip jar, paid newsletter, or Patreon type of model. Despite the relatively large size of my audience, the truth is that I don't have a large enough audience to make the math on this one work by itself. At least I don't think I do. I actually started running an experiment with a tip jar in March, and so far it's generated about $235 from 15 contributors. I appreciate each and every one of those tips. Truly. And also... I can't pay my mortgage that way. If I were to do a paid newsletter or Patreon model, it would be in the style of some sub stackers I respect who don't offer additional content in exchange for support. It's more like pay what you can. People pay because they think the content is worth it on its own. And there are several people I support that way myself. The third way forward is to start work on the next book. And you probably won't be surprised to find out that I've already started work on another proposal. Regardless, I'm trying to follow my own advice and focus on satisfying my personal variables before I start worrying about money. I have the privilege of a second company with consistent, sustainable revenue. I can't rest on my laurels, but I definitely have a bit more wiggle room to take my time to figure out what's next. Now next week, I'm excited to start a new series on the podcast. It's called Context Clues. In each episode, I endeavor to discover the context that's shaping the way we make decisions about things like refund policies, direct response marketing techniques, doing what we love, affiliate marketing, positive thinking, and personal brands. All tackle the tactical by sharing history, trends and subject matter experts. As always, my goal is to change the way you think about your business and entrepreneurship. Till then, keep doing what works. If What Works is helping you think differently about how you're navigating the 21st century economy, please share the show with a friend. The easiest way to do that is through PodLink. You can find the show at pod.link whatworks, and that page will allow anyone you share the show with to easily open their favorite podcast app and start listening. That's pod.link whatworks. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. Our production assistant is Emily Kilda. This episode was edited by me, Tara McMullen, and Marty Seafelt. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. What Works is recorded and produced on the ancestral homelands of the Susquehannock people. The Yellow House is located on the unceded land of the Katunaha Nation.